Welcome to What I've Learned About Love. I'm Mim Kempson, and this is the second solo episode of the season. I recorded it months ago, but listening back to it, I realized there were things I wanted to add and also clarify. So in the end, it's become a three-part episode, but it all ties in together. Before going any further, I would like to acknowledge that this is recorded on Wajak Buja, home to the Noongar people, and I would like to acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. I've titled this episode The Sex Positivity Paradox because I'm wanting to call out how sometimes we can take these terms that are seen as very progressive and kind of slap them onto behaviours, opinions, beliefs, in order to justify them. So throughout this episode, when I say things like sex positivity gone wrong, I'm meaning the whole original concept is distorted or misinterpreted or misused. And actually, when people think they're being sex positive, they're actually being sex negative. And we end up in this place that is paradoxical or contradictory or counterproductive. This is the angle I'm coming from in this episode. I'm going to give a base definition of sex positivity from which everything I talk about will be framed within. I see sex positivity as a positive relationship to sex. This seems pretty redundant, but what is positivity, first of all? What is a positive relationship or positive experience? I believe it's one that's authentic, where you feel as close to 100% honoring of yourself. It's where you're emotionally regulated and not triggered. It's where you act from a place of integrity, honesty, and self-accountability. It's where you're communicative and collaborative, open-minded, curious, and non-judgmental. A negative relationship, on the other hand, uh, to anything, is where you're heightened or activated, meaning you're coming from a place of trauma, judgment, shame, hate, disconnection, isolation, insecurity, or ego. Perhaps you're under the impression that you feel like yourself, but you maybe start to notice over time that you're hurting the people around you, and you notice that because they consistently leave or... You keep getting the same feedback and the positions you find yourself in feel very familiar. So that's the positivity side of sex positivity. Now what about the sex side? Again, this is going to seem like a really silly question, but I actually get a lot of couples in my private practice or individuals to answer this because funnily enough, it trips people up. That question is, what is sex? You know, and if you pair it with what is foreplay everyone's going to have a different answer. The way I usually expose this to people is suggest that what a lesbian couple may consider as sex, a heterosexual couple may consider foreplay. In that heteronormative model, sex is typically assumed to be penis and vagina sex, penetration. If having the conversation with a partner about what sex is, it can be helpful to also talk about what cheating is. Because imagine all the things that you could do and then according to the heteronormative model of sex, you could get away with something like, yeah, but we didn't have sex. These failures in communication or clarification around language and its use is such a simple thing that can become big problems in relationships. 
If you're interested in bringing these questions into your relationship, the last one I'd suggest is talking to each other about why you have sex, why people in general and why you personally have sex. If you pause to think, there are actually so many reasons that you maybe don't recognize. We obviously have sex for reproduction. We also have sex to connect to ourselves or to others. It can symbolically represent separating a friendship from a partnership. It could be stress relief. It could be an act that's affirming of our gender. It may help us sleep or relax. It might help us feel like get in touch with our feelings, or it might help us avoid feeling. You know, sex can become a kind of numbing mechanism or similar to alcohol, a self-medicating thing. Coming back to the idea of sex positivity, meaning having a positive relationship to sex, that also includes the choice not to have sex, where that relationship to sex can also be a positive one. And that's probably the central theme of this episode. If we're positive about people enjoying sex, we need to be also positive about people enjoying not having sex. So how do we tell if we're sex positive or have a positive relationship to sex? My simple single answer would be to look at the effects your choices and actions have on your life. Do you like those effects? Do they serve you and the people around you? Does it bring you closer to the person you want to be? What are the costs of those choices? Do they cause harm? If you kept going this way, where might you end up? Reflecting on the effects and working out whether you approve of them or not is incredibly subjective and it gets tricky because what one person believes to be fair and right and pleasurable could contrast someone else's beliefs. It's a discussion. But I would say, look at how your micro choices are impacting the macro, the longer term, the bigger picture. A couple more things before I share the middle segment. A disclaimer. I can't possibly know what all your triggers are. Sex is a very sensitive topic. And if you have sexual trauma, for example, I can't guarantee that this episode will be helpful or re-traumatizing or worth listening to. As I mentioned in the introduction episode of this podcast, it's not just the mention of negative experiences that can be triggering for people, it's also the positive. Sometimes learning about the possibilities of what you could have had or how you could have been treated can bring up things like grief. I invite you to consider the context that I'm speaking from. I'm a sex and relationship therapist, and while I have emphasized before that this episode or this podcast is not a substitute for therapy, it's important to remember that day in, day out, I hear all kinds of experiences about sex and relationships. And I honestly see that as a privilege because rarely are we exposed to a diversity of different ways in relating to people. Difference has been really normalized in my world, at least within my clinical setting of working with people in this way. And now I'm going to expand on what is sex positivity really. I'm going to start by explaining sex positivity through you know, generalized definitions. And then I'm going to get a bit 
critical, not of sex positivity itself, but of where it can be taken in a direction that I believe defeats the whole purpose. Which challenge me if it isn't this, but inclusivity and humanity. Celebrating the diversity of ways we can experience pleasure and connection. First, here's what sex positivity is before I go into what it is not. Sex positivity is receiving the sex education we deserve. Not the shitty kind you most likely got in high school, but a thorough, inclusive, pleasure-positive education on what sex can be, doesn't have to be, but there are options for whatever we choose for it to be. Sex positivity is destigmatizing STIs. They're treatable, curable, and if they can't be, well, you can still have healthy relationships and a dating life and practice safe sex. Although that is a good thing to raise, there is no such thing as 100% safe sex. There is only safer sex because you can use a form of contraception, whether it be a barrier method that protects as best possible from STIs, or you could be on contraception like the pill, which isn't a barrier method and won't protect from STIs, but there's always going to be a chance. The only guarantee of not contracting an STI is abstinence. Sex positivity is an accessibility to contraception of making it affordable and able to purchase no matter what your identity. Sex positivity is consent, and there's a legal age for being able to consent to sex, which ranges depending on your state, country, location. Sex positivity includes different voices. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, people of colour, people that enjoy kink or fetishes or that are experiencing chronic pain or living with a disability, who have larger bodies or smaller bodies, who menstruate or don't. And on that note, I want to highlight that this episode in this podcast therefore doesn't completely embody sex positivity because it's just one voice. And finally, sex positivity resists slut-shaming and the virginity complex. What does that mean? It doesn't shame particularly women and people assigned female at birth for the sex lives they choose to have, however that may be. And secondly, with the virginity complex, I mean, that's just kind of the term I give to it, is the idea that to be a virgin is superior and desired more than Ugh, that concept of a higher body count, aka how many people someone has slept with. And of course, this stigmatizing happens mostly for women, but of course, other people. So I'm speaking at large to the idea of slut shaming and the virginity or purity complex that positions it as better than or the only way to be. That's not sex positivity, that's sex negativity. That's probably a good segue into my cautioning of how sex positivity can be misinterpreted or misused. When we say that one way of being or doing things is better than another, when we celebrate that, but it comes at the expense of shaming the opposite or what's positioned as in opposition to, 
we're using the very same weapon as sex negativity. Here's an example. If shaming someone for having slept with quote-unquote too many people, that's sex negativity. But something I can notice about the sex positivity conversation where it becomes unhelpful is when casual sex, sleeping with lots of people, having that confidence, that exploration, experimentation, sexual liberation, that is seen as better than having less sex. That is problematic. I don't know about you, but I remember in even primary school, girls being teased for being frigid, right? And so I've just spoken about slut shaming. We can be shamed for having too much sex or not enough sex. This is where I get really protective of the term sex positivity. Like, I want to defend all the good that it stands for and for it to not be twisted and used to disguise maybe bad behaviour. If someone is confident about the choices they're making in their sex life and it's based on quantity, let's say, or adventurousness of sex and that is treated as more progressive, more confident, more liberated than someone who, say, prefers to have sex that needs emotional connection first or is enjoying being single and celibate or doesn't need as much sex to feel connected and happy and secure in their relationship then mate, you've defeated the whole purpose of sex positivity, isn't it, to encompass and embrace the fact that we all have a different relationship to sex and that's okay? Of course, where is the line? When that comes to hurt other people or ourselves, that's when it becomes questionable. But if we're talking purely, say, on quantity as an example, to celebrate one and in turn shame the other, is not achieving what sex positivity sets out to. What are those mechanisms that sex negativity functions on? Let's just hover on that for a second, because in this example, what's happening is a number of things. One, comparison. We know how insidious comparing ourselves to others can be. It also uses the idea of failure that if you're not having enough sex, there's something wrong. You're not doing it right. And there's a exclusivism or an ostracizing that happens where, you know, that idea of othering. So what I'm saying is sex negativity will shame those that are having too much sex and sex positivity gone sour shames those that don't have enough. There's also that biphobic idea of if you haven't slept with someone of the same sex or a gender identity that affirms your sexual orientation, then you're not officially bisexual. That's like, that's sex negativity. Can you see what I'm getting at as like sex positivity can be taken the wrong way? There are say stereotypes around being a queer person, a gay person, 
stereotypes of how they do sex and enjoy it and how much. And if you don't live up to that, maybe you feel like the odd one out in the community. Sex positivity also celebrates people not having sex. I repeat, sex positivity includes in the conversation the fact that people might not have sex for a variety of reasons, but that does not make their experience or the way they do relationships any less valid or any less pleasurable. What about when we're not having much sex and we're not happy about that? Sex positivity gone wrong would say to go out and have sex and that will fix the feeling. Maybe. I'm, I'm like, that's where it goes wrong and it's distorted. Look, I'm a therapist, so what I'm about to say is very predictable. If we have an unmet need and we seek for someone else to meet it, whether it be physical or emotional, often we're prolonging or postponing the work that really needs to be done. Yes, humans need connectivity, physical touch, companionship. These are all really important human needs, but if we can't learn to live without them and our happiness depends on consistently having them in those periods where we don't, we're obviously going to struggle. So I would say sex positivity encourages people to have pleasure in their sex life and encourages them to see that in times in life where we're not having sex, either quantity or quality, as shit as that may be, that's okay, we can find meaning and value elsewhere. To see that as a failure or as a brokenness It isn't necessarily always. It might be. That's not always the hard and fast truth. The final reflection I want to leave you with in regards to my proposed criticisms of sex positivity gone wrong is if we're constantly in pursuit of pleasure and trying to avoid pain, I'm referring to emotional, the stuff we can't put our finger on, like loneliness or rejection. Is that really setting us up for a resilient and meaningful and sustainable life? We get sick, we age, we experience injury and accidents and loss, people leave, people change. We realize what we were doing in life is actually not what we want to be doing in life. We have to grieve that. Pandemics happen. Economic downturns happen. Life does not go to plan often and pain emotionally, physically, whatever it may be, is one of the guarantees in life. If you truly believe that the way you're doing life, relationship sex, is bringing you joy and meaning, contributing to fulfilling the goals and vision that you have for your life or is it compromising things or is it a combination of both it's obviously not an either or and only you can say whether you approve of and like the effects of your actions having on your life since recording that segment i've thought of a bunch of other things that sex positivity is sex positivity is knowing that our relationship to sex changes 
as do our bodies, our preferences, our needs, identity, health and mental health, which all impact our relationship to sex on a daily basis and on a yearly basis. Sex positivity is accepting that the honeymoon period is a thing. It's called limerence. It's literally been proven that we experience that intense, spontaneous desire for only 6 to 24 months at the beginning of a relationship. It is a guarantee that those feelings wear off. Sex positivity is knowing that no one owes you sex. Sex positivity is honoring and working with your menstrual cycle or your hormones. Sex positivity is taking things slow. It's open communication, not secrecy, silence, stonewalling and withholding. Sex positivity celebrates pleasure but also accepts that there are times in life where pleasure isn't at the top of our list. What I'm trying to do with this episode is draw attention to how sometimes we can have a hyper focus on sex being the most important thing above all else. Whatever you're in the pursuit of, ask, at what cost? Do you get stuck in grass is greener thinking where nothing is ever good enough? Is your head stuck in the clouds of the future and you're hardly living in the present? Do you uphold yourself and the people around you to unrealistic standards? Do you try and stay in this place of happy, easy, fun, but then crumble the second life isn't good? Do you become easily reactive, judgmental, self-isolating or self-critical? Whatever place you come from in regards to how you do sex, intimacy, relationships, reflect on whether the choices you make are coming from a place of internalized shame, trauma, poor sex ed or peer pressure, to name a few examples. Or is it coming from a place of self-worth, clarity around what you want in life, around the people you want to surround yourself with? What I find really interesting about sex is that it's often the symptom of other things going on. We can place far too much focus on it when it's merely the side effect of whatever is going on in that person's relationship or their life. Bringing it all back, to be sex positive means to be inclusive and acknowledging of all the ways in which we can relate to sex or have sex. Anything that involves shame or shaming is sex negative. I hope this episode has both given you answers, but also raised questions for you to seek your own answers to. 